Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with former Collingwood AFLW star, now Hawthorne footballer, Meg Hutchins. From the USA, the Arizona Hawks, Melissa Wilhelm. Plus, our State League's rap is back with Alison Schiller on the Sandfield W and Aaron Russell looking at round one of the QWAFL. That's all coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast for another week. This week it's a bit of a Hawks theme as we have one guest from the Hawthorne Hawks in the VFLW competition and another guest from the Arizona Hawks in the USAFL. At the back end of this hour, our State League's wrap returns, not only with Alison Schiller for the Sandfield W, but Aaron Russell's back to talk about the QWAFL. Next week we'll be joined by Lauren Hodgson who will talk about the AFL Sydney competition and we're hoping to find some reporters soon to be able to tell us what's going on in WA, Tasmania, the ACT and even keeping a track of the AFL London Women's League. For fans of the VFLW, Matthew Cox will rejoin us again in a couple of weeks' time as that season kicks off on the weekend of May 5th and 6th. Our first broadcast game for 2018 will be on May 6th, that's a Sunday, Essendon versus Hawthorne at Windy Hill. And talking about the Hawks, they've managed to recruit a legend of Victorian women's footy during the last couple of weeks. Now, a lot of new people to women's footy may know her playing with Collingwood in the AFLW competition. She's left the pies now after two seasons. But those that have been following women's footy for a long time would know that she started back in 2003, where she won the Best First Year Player Award in the VWFL. In 2004, she won the Helen Lambert Medal. She's a six-time All-Australian, represented Victoria, even represented the Western Bulldogs in those early exhibition games. It's great to have on the line the new recruit of the Hawthorne Hawks VFLW team, Meg Hutchins. Meg, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Peter. Yourself? Not too bad at all. I do have to ask the question, how does it feel to be wearing some different coloured stripes, being the brown and gold? Oh, look, not too bad. Look, we've just gone into colour TV now. So, uh, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it, it's great. Um, you know, they're, they're a wonderful club. Um, you know, their history speaks for themselves. And, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a change in scenery. But, um, you know, I think if you embrace the club, the club embraces you. And I've certainly felt that uh, since day one. As much as it's a new club for you, in a strange way, it's a little bit of a homecoming, isn't it? Because obviously you played for the Eastern Devils for quite a number of years and being based out of Waverley Park, you're literally a kilometre, kilometre and a half from your old home ground. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to get out there. I was sort of um, yeah, just going to old memory mode and it's easy to get out there sort of instead of having to go down the hill towards, um, yeah, towards Mulgrave Reserve. We sort of just stay on the top of the hill and turn right into um, Waverley Park. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty familiar surroundings. I want to step back for a moment, pre-AFLW career and what you have now at Hawthorne going forward to uh, 2013 and 2014. At that time, you were representing the Bulldogs in the AFLW exhibition matches. At that stage, the plan for AFLW was 2020. It was going to start then. If that had happened, you were going to be 38 years old at that stage. Was anything running through your mind at that at that moment thinking, Am I going to be able to make it? Will they draft me at age 38? Um, yeah, look, it, it did certainly cross my mind um, that, you know, if it was 2020 and I did do the math and, you know, I was going to be at, at that ripe, ripe age. But, um, you know, I, I sort of also had the opinion and if I was sort of still playing some, some reasonably good football, um, 
that I may have been required at that point in time. So, um, but you know, it it uh, it got brought forward to 2017, and um, yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to to get an opportunity. Can you tell us how crazy that last two years heading into AFLW was? Because yourself and at least a hundred other women, particularly in Victoria. Uh, we're not only just playing state league football, you're playing a bunch of exhibition games and all of you also did the Women's Academy over the summer. How crazy was that two-year period where barely any of you actually got a break? Yeah, we, we played a fair amount of football in that time. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, you you kind of, yeah, do what you what you want to do and what you what you have to do, I guess, to, to, to live out that dream. And um, for, for so many years, we always have just played footy because we love playing footy. So the more opportunity to play football, um, the more we sort of just took on that, that opportunity. So um, it was, you know, it was a busy, busy time and it was a really exciting time as well, though, because we knew it was coming. So um, everyone was really willing to, to put in the effort. As you got closer and closer to the AFLW um, beginning, uh, you played for the Bulldogs in the game against Western Australia at Etihad Stadium. Uh, in that game, you tore your lateral meniscus in your right knee. Um, yep. a, a, a lot was going on because not only AFLW was coming, but the Eastern Devils were performing well that year and finals was on the horizon. What's going through your mind at that stage thinking, oh no, something's happened to my knee with finals football and <laughs> AFLW coming? Yeah, look, the, the immediate um, focus was straight away, you know, my, that I was going to miss football with the Devils. Um, yeah, I, I, once I sort of had it diagnosed that it wasn't um, the worst of the injuries, then that was sort of my immediate focus to get back in time, um, you know, to, to hopefully play some finals football with the Devils. It was it was difficult. Um, you know, touch wood, it was probably the, the worst injury I've had over the you know, over a long amount of time. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was difficult to get through, but, um, you know, I was probably thankful I had the support of the club and everything like that whilst I was there. So, yeah, it was it was challenging, but, um, you know, you, you learn and you grow and you get better through those experiences. So, um, yeah, I was just thankful that it wasn't the worst of the injuries and um, I was able to sort of get back into, into some reasonably good shape. Let's talk about the Eastern Devils for the moment, particularly for the for the long service that you had there. In 2004, you were a Helen Lambert medal winner while you were there. You won six All-Australians. But, of course, you won the goal-kicking between 2005 and 2008. But most of us know you now as a brilliant key defender. When did the switch actually happen for you to go to defence and how did that conversation come about? Um, I think it was around about 2009, 2008, I think. Um, we had a change of coach. So we had Leanne Gill uh, come to coach us at the Devils. I think that's when we also made the shift to um, East Burwood as well. So um, she sort of just, it wasn't so much a, a, a long conversation. It was probably more so... Um, I think you'll be better off playing in this role uh, from now on, and um, yeah, I obviously embraced that uh, that opportunity and um, learnt on the go, I guess. So um, yeah, and obviously I got to got to thank thank Gilly for that for seeing that I was capable of um, in playing that sort of that sort of role for the team, and um, yeah, I really enjoy playing down there. So yeah, I kind of feel like it sort of um, added a little bit to my artillery belt that. I could potentially sort of go, um, you know, forward or back on the field and, and contribute to um, to the team performance. A lot of great memories at the Eastern Devils for you, number of finals campaign and uh, what was the legendary Watto week a couple of years ago. Um, the question is, have you got a refund on your T-shirt since she's come back? 
Yeah, I know. We tell her that quite often, actually. What a week. I'm like, well, we're not going to have another one of them now. Unfortunately, when she retires again for the second time, um, we might have to start calling her John Farnham. She keeps on coming back. Last year, um, we had the privilege of the final round of the VFLW to be at Mulgrave Reserve, where we called the Eastern Devils versus Geelong. Um, yourself played in that game, and, and like the role of old, you, you pushed forward and kicked a goal or two. Perko came back for that game, flew in, and, and also kicked a goal or two. Smitty was best on ground. But the one thing that we said during the call, we said, geez, there seems to be a lot of emotion in this game. And that was highlighted at the end when the whole group got in a, a circle uh, post-final siren. Um, did you know at that stage or was there an inkling amongst the group of this is the final time we'll play together in a state league? Yeah, look, I think um, we all sort of had a feeling that, that was that was the potential to happen um, without it being confirmed. But we could sort of see what was coming on the horizon. And, um, yeah, it was certainly a... A pretty um, yeah sad time, but also a time for us to really um, enjoy um, our football together for the last time as as a group. So um, yeah, it was it was one of, it was pretty a, a memorable game. Um, like I've obviously played in a few, and I'll put it down to sort of one of the more enjoyable games I've been a part of, despite the conditions. Um, yeah, it was just a really nice nice way to sort of finish off our our playing days, I guess, at, at the Devils and, um, yeah, to sort of have a one club sort of moment at the very end was it was really, really great. So, um, yeah, it, it certainly was sad times, but, yeah, we could, we could see what was coming in the, I guess, in the not-too-distant future and um, made the most of that game. Is that probably the lucky thing for your club that you, as much as it wasn't official at that stage, you kind of saw it coming because speaking, for example, in previous interviews to Phoebe McWilliams and Penny Kula-Reed of the St Kilda Sharks, they felt like there was unfinished business because they'd ended in a preliminary final and thought they were going round again. Same for Diamond Crook, who made a grand final. They felt they were going round one more time. Do you felt that for the Devils, the blow was a bit softer because you had that game and you had that moment? Yeah, look, it's, it's certainly... Um... No, nothing was going to make it easy, I guess. But I guess in knowing that it was going to be the last game of the season, we kind of embraced it as potentially, um, yeah, it was going to be the last time as a VFLW team. So, um, yeah, I guess we were kind of fortunate in that sort of sense, but also unfortunate because we weren't playing finals either. So, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of it's, – it's, it's difficult sort of um, – yeah, knowing that a lot of players didn't quite know if that was the last time that they were going to pull on their jumpers. But, um, yeah, it's, it was certainly a challenging time for a lot of people. And, and how does it feel during this pre-season that we now see social media photos online? You see your buddy Smitty down at Casey. You see Kendra and uh, Major up at uh, Essendon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very, very strange. It's it's really, really strange. Um you know, we're basically going to come up against each other every second week now because we're sort of spread around the the whole of Melbourne. So some some at Casey, some at uh, Williamstown, there's some at um, the St Kilda, there's yeah some at Essendon. So um, yeah, it's going to be pretty strange coming up against them all um, every week. But um, you know, they they've got opportunities now at. at uh, you know, really strong, um, established clubs, and um, I can't can't wait to see sort of what they're capable of, of doing. Just hopefully not against us. <laughs> T- turning to Collingwood for a, a moment, and uh, obviously we don't want to pry into too much detail, but obviously it was famous that you're the one that wrote the letter to Gary Pert to be taken on board at Collingwood, not only as a player, but obviously 
in an off-field role, which uh, you've been there for two years and now have left. Um, from, from your point of view, was it everything you expected it was going to be like behind the scenes of, at an AFL club, or was it a real eye-opening experience? Um, oh, look, you know, it was definitely sort of what I what I expected, but um, there was so much more to to putting a, a football team on a park. Um, so, yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful experience and a really um, really great learning experience as well to be part of it and to sort of see all the cogs moving in in, in one direction. Um, so, yeah, it was it was it was definitely um, yeah a great experience to sort of see what it's like on the inner sanctum of a footy club and. Um, yeah, I'll certainly yeah remember all those times really, really fondly. Indeed, you're moving on from Collingwood to Hawthorne now. How hard is that actually to, I mean, you were only there for two years, but to walk away from a club that at the same time you'd followed through all your childhood? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely the most, one of the most um, challenging things is you've got to sort of switch off that emotion and um, make a decision based on, you know, what's sort of right for, for you at this point in time and, and your own development. So, um, yeah, it is it is tough walking away from, from the footy club and, um, you know, as, as you said, particularly one that I've, I've grown up barracking my whole life and uh, also sort of one that I've had a, a pretty um, strong presence in sort of the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, I guess the saying goes, you know, when the, when the time's right, you just have to um, make the decision and, and step away and, and sort of look at forging a new path. So that's sort of what I've done, and I'm really excited by, you know, what the future will hold. And, of course, n- now you find yourself at Hawthorne, which I guess an easy decision with your partner, Steph, being in there. But prior to joining Hawthorne, did they sound you out first? And were you fielding offers from other clubs as well who were interested in your services? No, I wasn't sort of fielding any offers um, at all. I, I sort of um, made that own decision myself, um, like obviously personal relationships played some small part, but it wasn't um, the, the be all end all. It was, it was actually sort of conversations I'd had with, um, you know, a few of my friends that had been training there, um, but also just off the back of a conversation I had with, with Patrick Hill um, and, and sort of his coaching philosophies and what his values are. And, and they really aligned with, um, you know, what, what I sort of want out of my footy as well and, and how I see football too. So, uh, it was probably more so a conversation that I had with the coach, that which I sounded out, um, and you know I guess all the other other stuff involving, you know, personal relationships and also um, my friends there, um, that was sort of almost just the cherry on top. So um, yeah, all, all the stars aligned, and um, yeah, I guess I, I approached them and sort of sounded them out and and gave them my intent to want to play for them. And that sees you in the brown and gold. Just turning just for a moment again to off-field, because you had left Collingwood as a player, but obviously as an employee as well, where does that leave you career-wise? Uh, kind of just in a, a little bit of a, um, a point where I can just sort of sit back and, and just assess, you know, what I really, really want to do in terms of um, my own career path. So obviously I've had the experience uh, at Collingwood, working in the operational side of things, and um, did a little bit of professional development in the player development space as well. So, just take a little bit of time and and um, catch up with a few people, and um, just work on sort of where where my strengths lie um, and, and where my passion really is really at. So, um, I mean, time is of the essence. Uh, I don't want the world to r- run dry, but um, yeah, certainly keen on staying involved in in football in some capacity. But um, just want to make sure I make a really informed decision as to so what that looks like in, in the future. 
and on that going forward, at some stage for all of us, the time clock runs out and the body says, look, we can't go at the top level anymore. When that day does come, have you looked at what path might suit you best? Have you thought administration? Have you thought coaching? Have you even thought media? Uh, no, I've got a face for radio, I think, so I might just stay on the radio now. Um, no, I haven't really given it too much thought. Like That's probably what I'm thinking about over the next little while as to what my next career path is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could be it could be coaching. I just need to sort of have a little bit more um, work experience in those areas and and um, really experience it, I guess, a day-to-day, um, yeah, a day-to-day experience in those roles. So, yeah, haven't quite worked that one out yet. Um, but, yeah, as you, as you did say, the, the, the time is ticking and um, you can't play footy forever. So, yeah, I'll be using the next little while just to work, work that one out. Interesting to see some new friends that you'll be making at Hawthorne. I know, as we said, uh, like Steph's there. We've obviously got Lou Watton, Sarah Perkins, you know, your former Devils teammates there. But players like uh, Beeson coming down from the Giants and another Giants footballer, of course, who was a St Kilda Shark, Phoebe McWilliams, joining you in the brown and gold. Yeah, that's really, really exciting. You know, when I um, when I saw that those girls had had, uh, had signed up with the with the team, it certainly made me just that little bit more excited um, to get to training and, and to get going. Um, like I've sort of played in a couple of state teams um, with Phoebe, um, but you know that only really lasts for you know it's really only a week that you go away for where you play together. So to be able to get a whole season with her is really really exciting. And um, yeah, we're sort of like new. It was in the first day at school when we first saw each other, and uh, it was a really exciting time when we had our first session together. So, and also, you know, players like Diana Haynes as well. I've sort of spent so many years playing against her. Um, to be able to, you know, play alongside her for a whole season is pretty exciting as well. So, with Hawthorne, you'll run out for the 2018 VFLW season. Are you going to be throwing your hat in the ring again for the draft for the 2019 AFLW season? Yeah, well, we have to wait a little bit until we see sort of what the what the whole landscape looks like. I don't think the uh, the AFL um, and they're sort of working with the AFL Players Association have quite um, worked out what the actual list build mechanism is at the moment. So once that sort of gets established and and um, is sort of set in stone, then we'll have a little bit, little bit of an idea about what my options are. So until that sort of gets locked in, we don't really know. Um, yeah, what, what that kind of looks like. So I um, guess I'm probably lucky that I've got um, a, a manager that can sort of look after those types of things and have those conversations. But, um, yeah, my immediate focus is just playing some really, really good football for, for Hawthorne and the VFL. And, um, yeah, I certainly believe that I have still have a little bit left in me and um, yeah, can make a meaningful contribution at the highest level at AFLW. So we'll just have to wait and see. And um, But as I said, yeah, my immediate focus is – Knuckling down at uh, at VFL level at the Hawks. And I guess that's probably one advantage you have going into this draft, particularly um, if you end up being in the expansion draft uh, with North Melbourne and Geelong in there as well, is that there's going to be a bunch of 18-year-olds there, but very little senior players who are able to offer leadership. And I guess that provides you an advantage. Yeah, look, I certainly um, believe that I have a lot to offer in that sort of sense. Um, But then also I want to be able to provide um, you know, a, a lot of you know performance-based um, um, positives, I guess, for the team as well. So, um, yeah, like I, I, I believe that I have obviously you know great um, ability to to help develop people and um, yeah to show leadership with the younger players. Um, so yeah, w- whatever comes my way, I'll, I'll I'll consider it. That's for sure.
And uh, also heading into this uh, VFLW season, you come off the back of five AFLW games. Has there been much chat with Paddy Hill about how many games you will play this year in the VFLW competition if you'll play a full season or be rested for periods? Um, no, there hasn't really had been any conversation. I'm sure I'll have some form of conversation over the next uh, couple of weeks with him about that. But I guess I'm I'm a little bit different to the other AFLW girls is that currently I, I, I don't have an AFLW home. Um which can dictate sort of what, how many games I'll play or what my playing load is. So at this point in time, um, I'll be playing, you know, as many games as I possibly can, but that might change if I, uh, if I find a new AFLW home. So we'll just have to wait and see with that. But, um, you know, Paddy's, you know, really supportive of and understanding that I probably know my body better than anyone else. And if I need a bit of a break, I, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's welcoming to, to let me have that. So, um, you know, I work with him and, and obviously the uh, the strength and conditioning team there at Hawthorne and um, just do whatever's best for the team, I guess. And if I need a break, then I'll, I'll have a break. Final question and, and probably toughest one. Um, you made your debut in the VWFL in 2003, so 15 years ago. And in that year, you won <laughs> the best first-year player. 15 years, a long time in footy. But what do you think is your favourite memory out of the game over that period of time? Oh goodness, you're taking me back a while. Um, oh look, I, I I can't really, I guess, um, pinpoint one particular memory. I mean, there's so many different ones. Um, yeah, you know, obviously playing in a couple of state teams with some legends of the game. In you know Debbie Lee, Shad McFerrin, um, they are obviously you know incredible memories. Um, yeah, but I guess probably the most recent memory really is that that last game that we played um, for the Devils was was really really great, um, a really great way for us to sort of finish off, and it was just a really good team game where everyone was just um, having fun and enjoying themselves, and it was kind of like the footy of old as well with uh, you know with a little bit of sprinkling of um, new talent. So that was probably one of the the more enjoyable experiences for me, but um, I, I haven't really had the uh, the ultimate success yet. I haven't had the chance to. To play in a grand final yet, so I'm I'm hoping that sort of that that memory still uh, about ready to be written. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll to be continued. Hopefully, to be continued. Well, Meg, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best with Hawthorne throughout the VFLW season, which no doubt we'll be calling you on RSN Carnival. And then, of course, uh, when you throw your hat in the ring for the draft for 2019. Many thanks. Cheers. Our next guest, funnily enough, started playing Aussie Rules at the exact same time as Meg Hutchins back in 2003, but actually had to give it up for a little while before recommencing her career in 2010. She would go on to represent her country twice at the International Cup in 2014 and the International Cup in 2017. She'd been a lone hand for a while at the Arizona Hawks, but now she's building up a team around her, and they're hoping in the next year or two to be able to have a full side that they can take to the USAFL Nationals. In between that time, she'd made guest appearances with other teams, uh, twice at the Nationals playing with the San Francisco Iron Maidens, including their championship in 2016, and last year, teaming up with the Los Angeles Dragons when they finished second in Women's Division 2. It's great to have on the line from the Arizona Hawks and the USAFL, Melissa Wilhelm. Melissa, how are you? Hi, doing great. How are you? Not too bad at all. Thanks for joining us here. Now, before we talk about how footy's going with the Arizona Hawks, your footy career actually began 
15 years ago. How did you first come across <laughs> Aussie Rules Football? Um, I had a friend of mine um, from Australia. He introduced me to the men's um, side of the sport out here in Arizona. Um, I thought it was super cool and I wanted to play it, but the U.S. at that time didn't really have a big women's league. Um, we had different rules. The women couldn't tackle, um, things like that. So kind of sparked my interest. I played a little bit that first season, um, just kind of experiencing like what footy was, um, got my first concussion and then pretty much stopped after that. So I, I wasn't really a fan of the girls not being able to tackle because in the first 15 minutes I tackled a girl. That's how I got my concussion and I got the call for, you know, the call against me and I didn't like that. So I'm like, if I am playing the sport, I want to tackle. <laughs> and it was actually quite some time, wasn't it? Till you actually took up the game again. Yeah, I actually really didn't come back in until 2010. I took a while off and had babies and started a family and, then, yeah, I didn't start again until 2010. That brought you back to the game, but it was a bit of a different scene at that stage, wasn't it? Because I think Arizona really had a strong women's program and, and it kind of faded away for a little bit there. Yeah, in 2010, um, we had a big women's team. Um, that's why I was asked to come back um, to play in a couple of tournaments and um, it got me interested and again. The rules changed of the sport, so I was excited about that. Um, but I think that from 2010, 2011, the women's team kind of faded out, um, after they had their, you know, national tournament, they, you know, women kind of went away and then people weren't really that interested in it. I stuck around though, cause I, I found a chance to play on the freedom team and I really wanted to improve my skills. So, you know, I stuck, I, I probably stayed around for a good couple of years with no women being around so and how difficult is that because it's not only yourself but there's obviously another few clubs around the usafl where there's uh, the situation where there's only one or two women napla pop for example up in wisconsin emily rice at des moines how hard is that to be able to get a game for the sport that you love it's so hard it, and when i went to try out for the freedom team, um, Barnsley, the coach was, that was the one thing he had to say. He's like, you don't have any game experience. And I didn't at that time. I really had never played like a full real game with tackling. I've, you know, played scrimmages here and there and I played other sports, which, you know, I was athletic and, and I came into it, you know, picking up the skills pretty well. But as far as game experience, I had, I had little to none at that time. Um, so it is a, it's hard for women out here to get game experience, um, especially when you don't have a full club. You can't have Metro teams playing against each other, and that's hard. And if you don't have a men's team that is including you in a lot of their drills or their um, scrimmages, then there's really no footy for you at all um, until you can build up your own club. A very difficult circumstance there for you. So how did you manage to get your way onto that freedom team to come to Australia in 2014? Uh, 2014, um, I had almost the same experience I had in, two, in uh, 2017. I tore my ACL six months after I tore my ACL and had the surgery or after the surgery, I made the tryouts to the camp uh, for 2014. 
And at the camp, I just, you know, I worked my butt off and running and scrimmaging and doing whatever I could. And I think Barnsley saw that I had to drive. I just needed a little bit more of the, you know, experience and the game time. Um, but he saw some potential in me, and I'm glad he did because it really pushed me and motivated me to learn and go wherever I could to pick up footy. So if it was another state or if I knew someone was having a tournament, I just tried to involve myself in whatever was going around um, in the States here. You came on that 2014 tour down to Australia to play in the International Cup. Can you explain that first feeling of coming to the home of the game here in Melbourne and actually playing footy? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, getting to Melbourne, um, seeing the city was amazing. Getting on the footy field was just like, oh, it, that was just crazy. I've never seen a field so big because out here we only play on soccer fields. Um, so that was amazing to see um, all the women out there playing. I went to different clubs. Um, the skill level was just intense. And um, at that time, I felt a little intimidated by by women in footy out there because, you know, they they – I mean, they've been raised with it. So um, it was such a great experience. So the women just opened their arms and welcomed us. And um, I learned so much. I got new drills for my own club. I, I brought back home with us. Um, just I met so many people um, just encouraging us to grow footy out here, um, which is just really, really a great experience to go through. We saw you for the uh, first time in 2016 at Sarasota, Florida, uh, when you played for the San Francisco Iron Maidens. You had a great tournament. Even, in fact, Dermot Burton pointed you out saying, well, who's this player that just keeps going in and in and in and, and attacking the football? And, and, and you managed to come away with the championship there with the Iron Maidens. For someone that was based out of Arizona, how did you actually get hooked up with the Iron Maidens to play with them in 2016? Um, you know what? Actually, I played with them in 2015 at their national tournament there. Um, they, I, I played with them. Um, they gave me the Best on Ground Award. And I think from then on, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm sticking with you guys. Um, they were just, they're just a really well-organized group of women. Um, they have a great coach. They have good leadership um, on their, you know, their board there. Um, they're just this is well put together for footy here. So I, um, I played with them in 20, 2015. We won, um, the championship or no, no, I'm sorry. It was a runner up. We were runner up to the championship there. Um, and then the next uh, year I decided that, you know, we didn't have a club here in Arizona. So I decided to go ahead and register with them again, um, and play with them. And I made the trips to their local, you know, Metro tournaments, um, when I could, I flew out there, um, and their trainings, I would go to a couple of them here and there, and then I got to play with them in Florida again. And uh, in that tournament as well, as you mentioned earlier, you did you knee again. What was going through your mind uh, thinking for the second time, oh, no, I've done the knee heading into a, into a year where there's going to be an international cup? Well... <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Probably not those exact words, but um, it was my actually, it was my other knee. So I tore my right one in 2013 and now my left one here in 2016, 2015. And um, so I, 
I was devastated, especially because I it just got announced that I was on the Freedom Team again that day. And here I am walking with my leg, like, what is happening? I didn't know for sure what it was what it was yet and went and got the MRI and sure enough, it was the ACL. So um, I was just so sad and disappointed. I talked to, talked to Barnsey right away and I said, this is, you know, this is what it is. And he's like, you know, you have, I think at that time we had um, a good eight months or something like that. And so he said, you know, just get, get well, at least to the camp. Um, he's like, just get well, do what you can. And, you know, I'll see you at the camp. And so it was exact same timing. Six months later, after my surgery, I showed up at the camp and, um, you know, played. And I played pretty well in the scrimmages. He was actually really surprised at um, me recovering so well. Um, I was surprised at myself. It went much better the second time around than the first time. So um, it just went really good for me. I was super happy about it. He was happy about it. Um, I wasn't 100%, but as far as, you know, six months out of surgery, I did pretty well. It's a question we actually rarely ask those that have participated in IC17, particularly like yourself, who's played in a tournament before in IC14. Have you noticed a considerable standard in the lift of women's football from outside of Australia from 2014 compared to the 2017 Carnival? Um, I think it's the organisation of it all. Um, it was a huge difference. I think... Um, because women's footy became professional um, in between those times, it was just huge for like the USA coming out there. The women supporting us um, was a lot different. I think that we had a little bit more support from the clubs out there. Um, I think the exposure was probably a little bit more than what we had in 2014. Um, but just the organization, I think, of it all was a little bit different. You've slowly been building up the numbers again at Arizona to rebuild a women's side there. What are the current numbers looking like at the moment? Well, we have a tournament coming up here on May 5th. It's the Rob Dollar Cup. It's a fundraiser for um, one of the gentlemen who passed away um, that was on the men's side of it. And so we're playing AFLX, um, which is good for us because we don't have the size of fields you guys have. Um, and we don't really have the numbers right now anyway. So this is really great for us. So our tournament will have nine women on our team from the Arizona Lady Hawks, um, which is a good number, I think, right now. I'm hoping to get, of course, more women involved with footy. Hopefully after this tournament, they'll see how exciting it is and how fun it is to play the sport, and they'll tell their friends about it, and then they'll come and play. So I'm hoping that boosts us a little bit. Um, with numbers out here but so far you know we have about we have about probably 10 girls right now interested in playing um, footy for like the national tournament to build up those numbers again what have you been trying to do in the way I guess of publicity and marketing to promote the Arizona Hawks within your community to try and get players signed up and and to join the hard thing in Arizona is that it's the we have a lot of competitive sports out here. People are playing soccer and um, softball. And I mean, you, we can play year round here. Um, so we have a lot of sports to compete against. Um, going again, I guess, with rugby girls, we try to recruit rugby girls. Um, football, we've gotten some men off of the local football teams, um, the uh, Gridiron football team out here. 
Um, other than that, we do Facebook and we have a website. Um, and then just re- really word of mouth, telling your friends about it. That's probably the biggest thing. Obviously, the other thing that's happened in the area is a new club's popped up in Arizona. The Arizona Outlaws have popped up. Now, is that a situation that it's just a case of, despite both being known as Arizona, you're operating out of different cities? And have you lost any players to the Outlaws, or are they building up a bunch of new girls amongst themselves, which hopefully will create a rivalry? Um, we've only lost maybe one or two players from that. And we, the ladies' team didn't really get affected by it much. The men's team probably had a little more effect on them um, than us. But I think it was just a different direction they kind of wanted to go in, and um, which is okay. I think actually it is driving us to recruit more. It's driving them to recruit more, and hopefully it's really good for footy in Arizona. Absolutely, and I guess one good thing is having more Arizona women play at the Nationals, like you did last year in San Diego, your hometown, um, going back many years. Um, In San Diego, you managed to team up with the Los Angeles Dragons, and uh, I guess on their debut, and technically your debut, uh, finishing second in Division 2. Yeah, that was great. I mean, um, it was really nice to have nationals so close to home i i was expecting to have a lot more girls participate in that nationals from arizona um i'm sad that we didn't have as many but i i don't actually know with nationals being in racing this year if we'll make the trip out um there just because it's so far um to bring a full squad i'm hoping to bring some but i was hoping to get more with um san diego but i'm so i'm so glad that the la dragons you know we're all really good friends and they kind of, you know, open their arms for us too. And we had a great time playing with them. As you said, the Nationals coming up in racing this year. What is the um, schedule looking like for the Arizona Hawks going ahead about games that you're looking to play? I'm, I'm suggesting you're probably looking at signing up for the Western Regionals this year. Uh, yeah, we're think- we're going to go to Western Regionals. Um, I don't know if we're going to be bringing a full team, so we'll probably combine with another team. Um, the men's side should hopefully bring a full team um, if they can. Um, but really, I think we'll just partner up. I'm hoping with the LA Dragons again because they're kind of in the similar situation we're in with numbers. So us combining our teams would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. And just before we let you go again, Mel, if people are looking for more details about the Arizona Hawks, you said you've got a website. Where can they find you? Yeah, it's um, azhawksfooty.com. And then they can also find us um, on Facebook. It's under Arizona Australian Rules Football, um, Arizona Hawks. And then the um, women's is, of course, the Arizona Lady Hawks. So we have those. So keep an eye out for that website presence. Keep an eye out for them on Facebook as well. Melissa, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we wish you all the very best throughout the 2018 USAFL season. Thank you so much for calling me. I appreciate it. Time to start looking at what's happening with the state leagues around Australia and the UK. That in a moment's time. But first of all, in the WAWFL competition, the one game on a Saturday and a bit of an upset. Peel Thunderbirds, 8-8-56, defeating Subiaco, who used to be known as the Coastal Titans, 5-7-37. So there's a turn up for the books. Uh, three games on the Sunday where East Fremantle, 9-6-60, defeated Swan Districts, 2-3-15. South Fremantle, one straight six, no 
challenge whatsoever to Claremont, who did it easy, 12-15-87. And another one-sided game, Perth Angels, just the two behind, stumped by West Perth, 17 10 112. Games for round three. Friday night match, 4.45 p.m. Leaderville Oval, Subiaco take on Claremont. On the Sunday, April 22nd, three games. Pill Thunderbirds versus Swan Districts. Perth Angels versus East Fremantle at Harmony Fields. And at HBF Arena, West Perth take on South Fremantle. Let's find out what's happening up north in the QWAFL. It's great to have on the line for the first time for 2018, our Queensland reporter in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Uh, fantastic as always, Peter, in sun, sunny Queensland. Well, it's always sunny up in Queensland, unusually warm here in Victoria as well. <laughs> but round one is finally underway in the Quaffle. And we go to the first game that kicked off the season uh, last Saturday, 1pm at Door Oval. Looks like we got some improvement out of the Roos. They were 12-point winners over the UQ Red Lions. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, it might have been probably a bit of a shock for a lot of people that uh, that might not have been doing their research over the off-season and... Um, they have, you know, even for those that, that did, they've actually uh, done really well in that game, to be honest. Um, uh, UQ uh, actually had Megan Hunt playing for them as well. Um, they had lost. There's been a bit of moving between uh, from these two sides to other clubs uh, with a few players over the off-season. I think UQ lost a couple of quality youngsters, a couple of experienced older players. Um, so they're a bit of a new look this side. Got a few... Uh, girls on um, sports scholarships and that sort of thing that are going to uh, come through the ranks. So they'll probably improve throughout the year, but um, they may not be as strong as they were even even last year, I think. Um, Maruchidor, on the other hand, um, they've gained some some uh, quality players who have been up in the Sunshine Coast but not playing for them that have come through the junior ranks. And, uh, yeah, well, they also picked up Rachel Crack um, from Cooparoo. Um, but they've got to be happy with that result uh, on the weekend. That was that was fantastic for them, and won't do their confidence for the year any harm, especially considering uh, they've lost some really quality players and have moved down to Brisbane um, and playing footy for some clubs down here this year. So, yeah, kudos to Maruchidor. That's great news for for the comp moving forward. The grand final rematch was at Leishon Park, and this time uh, Cooper Roo easily accounted for Yoronga South Brisbane seventy to twenty seven. Oh, yeah. Um, look, and on paper, you have a look at the two sides and you think, this this is going to be a cracker. Um, both sides look quite strong. Um, you know, there's not too many names you wouldn't recognise on that Yoronga list. Yes, they're without um, the likes of Bates and Zanchetta and McCarthy, but they've got some, um, you know, a, a, a host of grand final players um, from last year, and then they've got a couple of great, um, young players who've moved up into that side from uh, down Gold Coast and um, yeah, a couple of girls who improved the year before from their uh, their reserve side who played. But, yeah, look, outdone by a, uh, a, a, Coop, a quality Cooper outfit. Um, some of these girls that, that uh, yeah, have been playing for Coops for quite some time and they were out for some revenge as well. They were, they were really fired up to get to get on the board early against them. Um, it was pretty tight early on, um, and Cooper A kicked, kicked away. Cooper kicked away after uh, the second quarter um, with a, quite a comfortable victory in the end, uh, winning by the tune um, of what we end up with. 43 points. Uh, eight yeah. goals. Yeah. Seven goals. 
So, yeah, fantastic work by them. Wooshner played uh, on the weekend, ended up with five of, of uh, the 11 that they got in total. Um, so she obviously had a great great game before. She uh, heads off to the States, so she'll be, be gone for quite a substantial amount of the year. Um, and this had a fair bit of footy for them, but, yeah, they, they finished strong. Kylie Lawrence tuned in. She's been... Uh, revolutionary off the halfback for them. Um, great user of the ball, reads it well and quite tough. Um, and Gibson, who's moved from back line to forward line. Emma Gibson, not the uh, Brittany Gibson that a lot might know, but she's she's strong and very consistent player. Bond University made their debut in the QWAFL, but there were no match for Wilston Grange, 11-12-78 to 2-5-17. That's right. We do have a new team in the competition, Bond Uni, uh, another team down on the coast now, so that makes two. Um, you know, they they uh, they got a uh, a welcoming to the to the new division um, by probably a quite an understrength Wilson Grange side. Um, so they, you know, they're going to want to improve throughout the year, and they're going to need to if they're going to want a match side throughout the year. Um, that, as I said, was a quite an understrength Wilson Grange side. They still have quite a few players to come back into that that lineup. Uh, Bond University, on the other hand, um, not as many. Um, Ariana Clark will play for them this year. She needs to come back in, obviously, a massive inclusion, but will be by far and large their, um, their best player um, in, in that side. So, yeah, look, they'll, they will, uh, they'll improve throughout the year, um, but their, their girls definitely got a, a nice wake-up call coming into a new division and a step up from uh, a comp they've been playing in for a few years previously. But... Welcome to Quaffle Bon Uni. <laughs> Calling Gunner Tweed having the bye there in round one. I just want to get your tips, Aaron, for round two. Uh, two games on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. Uh, Saturday, 3.45, Leyshine Park. Uh, UQ Red Lions versus Yoronga South Brisbane. Yeah, look, um, I think I think Yoronga uh, are going to be out to make a statement now. They've got to. There's no other choice. Um, their last year's defending premiers, they had enough quality players in the side last week to put up a bit more of a fight than I thought they would have against Cooperu. Um, they they need to come out with a statement here and I think Scotty will get the girls revved up and um, they'll be they need they need to make a point here um, against UQ. Um, UQ as a they'll they'll be wanting to improve from that. They'll be bitterly disappointed for that that loss um, up at Maruchidor. Uh, so they'll they'll need to be need to be on their game. Um, it could be an opportunity to get get an early one on Yoronga. If they if they catch him this time of the season, maybe Yoronga quite up putting it together at the moment. Um, but uh, I'm going to have to go with Yoronga. Uh, Yoronga uh, probably by 25 points in this one, I, I think, Peter. 4.45 on Saturday, Giffen Parker, Cooperu hosts Wilston Grange. Oh, yeah, Cooperu were clinical last week. Um, Wilson Grange are going to be a... a a strong side this year. They've still got quite a few girls to come back. Um, if anything, probably the level uh, to come back into both sides is probably almost favouring Wilson, I think, at this point, um, in terms of what's to come back in. So um, if Wilson... I'm, I'm going to go with Cooperu in this one, just because they were so clinical last week and some of their girls are in fantastic form. Um, and they've picked up some really quality uh, girls from other codes as well. Um, uh, quite a number of them. So I'm going to tip them in this one um, by 20 points. Uh, but if Wilson don't get them here, um, they're going to definitely come close throughout the year for sure. Um, and I, I think they've definitely a good chance to, to tip them later on in the year if they don't get them.
this weekend. And finally on Sunday at 4.45pm, Bond University hosts Coolangatta Tweed. Yeah, look, well, the Battle of the Coast. They're trying to trying to uh, turn this into a nice little rivalry early on. Um, both sides will be, be wanting to uh, <laughs> obviously set some set a standard precedence um, against the other club here and, and I guess take claim to the, the Gold Coast uh, Cup and rival match. Um, a few girls have, have gone across from Cooley to Bond um, to strengthen them in their first season uh, in the competition. But I think Cooley are going to be too good um, on this one. They've actually recruited quite well um, some girls from other sports um, have come across who uh, I saw play in the preseason cup and they're, they're going to be some quality footballers. So they were, they were, they were uh, up and about early in that comp, and if that's anything to go by, uh, and missing missing out on a game last week, I think they'll be too strong for Bond University. Um, I'm tipping Cooley to win by 40 points. Well, Aaron, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you next week to look back at round two of the QWAFL. Uh, pleasure as always. Thank you very much, Peter. Turning our focus now to AFL Canberra, where the women's division has been broken into two this year, first grade and second grade. We're going to focus on first grade. Six teams in that competition for this year, and round one kicks off this Saturday. All games on the Saturday, 12 p.m. at Holt 102, Balconnen versus Ainsley. Uh, 2 p.m. at Gungarland in Closedoval, Gungarland Jets take on the Tuggeranong Hawks. And 3 p.m. at Allenshaw Park, Quimbian Tigers versus East Lake. Turning our attention now to uh, the Sydney AFL. We normally have a regular reporter there in Lauren Hodgson. She will join us next week from round three onwards. Just a bit busy this week. Round two was played over the weekend. Uh, on Saturday, four games were played. The early game was a pick and over at 8.30 in the morning. And the UTS Shamrocks just got over the line against the Western Wolves, 3.12.30 to 4.2.26. Macquarie University, 8.5.53, defeated Newtown, 6.3.39. UNSW Eastern Suburbs, formerly known as the Stingrays, now known as the Bulldogs, 5-7-37, defeated the Auburn Penrith Giants, 4-2-26. And in a close one at Heathcote Oval, Southern Power, 2-4-16, defeated the Sydney Uni Bombers, 1-4-10. Time to have a look at the Sandville W competition. They're in finals mode at the moment. The preliminary final was played over the weekend at Prospect Oval, and it's great to have on the line from the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. Ali, how are you? Absolutely fantabulous there, Peter. Yourself? Not too bad at all as we head towards the Sandville W Grand Final of 2018. But let's take a step back to look at what happened at Prospect Oval. And goals weren't easy to come by. No, in absolutely blustering, slippery conditions uh, down at Prospect Oval. Um, we had, well, for me, it was a huge upset. I went the early crow with North thinking they'd do this easy. And a cock a doodle doo, the rooster had his head chopped off. Uh, Norwood uh, gets sneaking into another premiership there in an extremely low scoring affair, which, believe it or not, for North being such a high scoring team all year, um, kept them to one goal four, where Norwood kicked two goal six. But as I mentioned, absolutely atrocious conditions. Um, and the Red Legs even had 10 fewer inside 50, if you don't mind. Um, Beck McMahon, Captain Inspirational there. She got onto the ball and um, slotted a couple goals there before the final change, giving Nord a 17-point break going into the final. But North only uh, scored their only goal of the game through Sarah Ellis right 
less than a minute on the clock. And that was it. And that was it. She cried. So the leading, there's not a lot to say about this one. It wasn't pretty. Uh, leading disposed to Norwood, Sally Riley, ex-crow there. She uh, showed the way with 18. Rhiannon Bush had a fantastic game on 13. Ebony O'Day, that name, is, I think, has been in every best that I've read out. Whitney Benson, Nicola Burns on 11. For North, Britt Perry. Charlie Redan, Jess Edwards, Kat Reynolds and Ashley Woodman rounding out their top position getters. Goals for Norwood and McMahon and Pete. And Ellis, as mentioned before, for that goal, which was, I must admit, extremely surprising um, considering, you know, previous games, even if I just mentioned the last game they played, which was round eight between North and Norwood. It was North 4-10, 34 to Norwood 0.0. So you can understand my shock there, but... All the cream rises to the top come grand final time with Norman being the premier from last year. And the pain continues for North Adelaide because they went down in the grand final last year to Norwood. So they don't yeah. have exactly a great record at the business end of the year. Well, against Norwood, at least they don't. They're a bit of a party pooper for them, the old Redlegs. But um, Redlegs will uh, be champion at the bit to have a go at South Adelaide, who have only been beaten once this year. So... Chrissy Steen will have the charges. The old Steen train will be up and running. She's uh, full of nervous energy at the moment, which means she's really looking forward to it. Now, that's going to be played on Anzac Day at 4pm at Peter Motley Oval down there at Unley. Now, just to give you a bit of an idea, in round five uh, was the first time South and Norwood met, with Norwood scoring three points to score uh, South scoring 2-4-16. Norwood in round 10, so the last round they actually met, Norwood 117, South 5737, so a little bit of a handout of a thumping there, but um, this is not being played on either team's home ground. It's actually at a neutral ground. <gasps> There's a shock. There's something happening in the footy season on the neutral ground for a grand final. Enough about that. Um, but really looking forward to see how this pans out because I would have honestly thought South all the way and probably still do, but Norwood have surprised me a few times this year, Peter. Indeed, particularly heading into this one, 4pm Wednesday, the 25th of April at Peter Motley Oval. Crows listed player Sally Riley, of course, she started in the preliminary final with 18 possessions. Is she going to be the joker in the pack for Norwood and be the one that breaks the game open and takes it their way in the grand final, a la Sophie Lee last year? Yeah, well, we had a few that stood out last year. Sophie Lee and uh, Ruth Wallace all made themselves known um, across the final, grand final for Norwood. But you never know. She she dominates possession, but um, I'm not sure. If there's just so many. And if, let's face it, if Gummo's playing uh, for South, that's going to make it a very hard, considering South have been strong with um, uh, Molly McKendrick, and Nikki Gore and um, Captain Fantastic, Chrissy Harvey herself, or co-captain, I should say. Um, I just see South having a few more winners across the board. But, again, Lord won there on that oval last year. I remember watching that quite clearly. So it's a grand final and anything can happen. If, if a Crows fan can tell you that, trust me, anything can and will happen on grand final day. It'll be interesting to see what crowd shows up because we know, at least on the men's side, there hasn't been much success throughout South's history. So for them to possibly get a women's flag, it'll be interesting to see if they roll out in big numbers like they did for South's opening game back in round one. Yes, well, they've actually got the men playing on beforehand after the SNFL and then it's rolling into this game. So hopefully there'll be a few numbers uh, left over and they'll stay on for the women's. They're uh, going to get down there. I urge everyone... 
that even wants to have a look at the SA and see potential draftees as well going around around the trucks. I'm sure there'll be a few recruiters with their eyes peeled and the binoculars out trying to see if they can sniff up a bargain a la Sophie Lee and Courtney Gum last year. I'm going to try and push you for it. What's your tip? Who's going to win and by how much? Oh, all right. What's the weather going to be? Hang on. Let me let me um, go to my Bureau of Meteorology app here, Peter. Ooh, could be raining. Look, oh, I really do expect South to win. Um, Norwood really shocked me that they got over North. Can they do it two games in a row? I pick, uh, if it's a nice clear day, I pick South by mm, 35, by plenty. Wet, blustery conditions. The upset would be Norwood by two points in wet, blustery conditions. That, you, that's the way I'm going to roll. There you are. So watch the weather. And one just quick one before we let you go. We know that the news was confirmed that uh, Beck Goddard uh, will not be coaching the Crows in 2018. She's returned to Canberra where she works with the Australian yeah. Federal Police and will be coaching in the men's competition there in the ACT. But at least on the good news mm-hmm. front for the Crows, you've got Erin Phillips, the co-captain, locked in. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So really sad. Um, nothing, no one can take anything away from Beck being uh, the inaugural AFL, AFLW Premiership um, coach. So uh, best luck there for Beck. But I know with work commitments and everything else, the balance was just too hard. Um, but as for Flip, I could not be happier retweeting that out on At Two Crows podcast, uh, getting that out on Twitter. But And she's also said she wants to play out her career with the Crows and um, at least play for another three years so and longer if possible. But she's packing up and I think flying out tomorrow back to take up her assistant coach role with the Dallas Wings. She's encouraging everyone to get on board there. But she's also doing a bit of a learning coaching as well with the um, with the Crows when she comes back. She's not going to be a coach as such. Some people dangled the carrot and thought maybe she was going to step up and actually be a player coach. Um, but considering the Dallas Wings is their first foray into uh, coaching, I think it's something that she would definitely like to learn down the track. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her pop up as a development coach or an assistant coach somewhere in uh, the AFL slash AFLW in the future. And Ali, once again, just before we let you go, where can people find the Two Crows podcast? Um, as per always, it'd be at Two Crows podcast on Twitter and we get everything out on uh, iTunes, Podbean and YouTube. And finally, the Tasmanian State League women's competition kicks off this weekend with round one. Five teams again in the competition. Both games on the Sunday at 12 o'clock. At Twin Ovals, the Tigers host Clarence, while at Windsor Park, Launceston host Glenorchy. Bernie have the bye in round one. Now, we're hoping to find reporters to cover the WAWFL, the Tasmanian Women's League, as well as what's happening at AFL Canberra. We've uh, put out the call via our Twitter account, WARF Radio, and we hope to hear back very soon for some interested parties. We look like locking in a reporter as well to cover what's happening every fortnight in the AFL London Women's League. And that's an important league to cover because not only is it two divisions of 18-a-side women's football over in the UK, but that competition has been responsible for two players being drafted, Kate Shearlaw to Carlton and Lauren Spark to the Western Bulldogs. And, of course, Sparky would go on to win the Premiership uh, this year in AFLW. So listen out for those reporters in coming weeks to have all the state leagues covered in Australia, 
the London competition will obviously be covered every fortnight. And we hope to, uh, with the major tournaments that happen in the US, to have Brian Barish on board to be able to give you an update on what's happening in those. Time to wrap things up for this week. I'm Peter Holden. Look forward to your company again same time next week for another edition of Women's Australian Rules Football. Until then, bye for now.